Uh, we're going to be talking this morning on a part three in our series, Not of This World. And we're talking about our identity in Christ uh, in this series. Certainly, uh, man, we could probably spend years of Sunday mornings talking about our identity in Christ. But what we wanted to do specifically for this series was just bore down on a couple of key areas that are very important in light of the times that we're living in these days. Uh, so, you know, when, when I say the times that we're living in these days, uh, man, there's a lot to that statement. I mean, we can just talk first and foremost about, you know, here in our modern, you know, these last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years in America, how we have moved away from our Judeo-Christian foundation. And now that we, we have been, for these last bunch of years, operating as a post-Christian culture, and just how much that does to create confusion. Our, our message this morning uh, is a part two from last week. Uh, so we're talking about who are you uh, when times are confusing. And certainly there is confusion that abounds everywhere because it used to be even if people were living wickedly, there was at least this foundation, this environment that was Judeo-Christian. And now we're at a point where uh, it's all turned around. It's all confused. It's uh, calling up down and down up and good bad and bad good. And uh, God let us know that we weren't going to be able to navigate our way on our own. And uh, we're seeing the fruit of what happens when we try to navigate our way uh, w without the Lord leading us. So, so we've got that side of things. Uh, but then also, you know, we have, you know, the work of the enemy uh, and what he's done in uh, our, our approach to what truth is. You know, that, hey, you go figure out and create a truth, and then we've, we've declared that the one no-no is to suggest in any way that somebody else's truth might be in error or off. That stands completely in the face. The gospel is go share the truth. <laughs> that, that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead, that there's a God who loves you and you can be saved. And it's not a truth, it's not a road. He said it, it's the road, right? So we've got all that to contend with. And then, of course, then we have, um, you know, just out in our culture in these last couple of years, there's been so much that has happened in this environment that's been the frog in the kettle. And, and it's, it's just confusion abounds everywhere. So the, the message this morning is not one of uh-oh, it's not one of fear, it's not go hide under a table somewhere. Instead, it's, hey, we can walk with sure steps in these dark days. We can know that we have a sure foundation, just like in worship, we were reminded, right? We have a sure foundation in Christ. But, you know, as I was preparing for, for these messages, you know, something clicked that just in, in all the years of, of Bible study and loving the Word of God, it never really dawned on me before how many times it says in the Word, don't be deceived, where it says, be not deceived. And, you know, so God's called us to victory. Jesus said, you know, uh, he didn't say be of cheer. He said, be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. You know, so he says that. And then at the same time, God is so good to us because he says, and I'm going to point out to you places where you could get ensnared so that you circumvent those things and travel around those things. And so you don't get ensnared. 
So confusion may abound in our world. There's a lot that has come and created questions. What meaneth this? What am I seeing? How am I supposed to respond? You, you know, so many different things have just boiled up in these last couple of years. And, and as I kind of dove into last week, and it's banged up the body of Christ. And it's, it's brought weariness. And it's brought, again, confusion and despair and all these different things. So the things we spoke about last week and this week are meant to be, let's identify the pitfall, let's identify what God says is the solution so that we can walk with sure steps no matter how turbulent the world around us gets. Amen? So I look at it, you know, the, the mission for, for these messages is that we would, like the word talks about those trees planted by the rivers of living water, those trees whose roots go down deep so that when the hurricane winds blow, man, those winds were blowing uh, particularly on Friday. I thought my house was tipping over on its side, right? When those winds blow, those roots are so deep that we won't be captivated by the enemy, we won't be duped, we won't be deceived, and we don't have to operate in confusion. Amen? So praise God, that's good news for us. But I, I do realize that as I delve into this, it, it's like really sobering, you know? So just, just make sure you see this in the context. And really what we want to be evaluating is, all right, Lord, so, so how do I walk away from last week and this week? What are the things that you've called me to? So really briefly, I just want to remind us what we talked about last week. This isn't an exhaustive list, but this certainly, I think, covers some of the bigger areas, especially in light of, you know, the, the day and age that we're in. Things to be mindful of, 10 sources that, that can cause confusion or deception. Uh, and, and then, of course, we had solutions on how to navigate these. So uh, we, we said walking in the flesh will, will breed confusion. Because when we walk in the flesh, we think in the flesh. We looked at that in the Word. And God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. We have the mind of Christ, we're told in the Word. But His ways and the mind of Christ and walking and thinking in the flesh, they're not going to go together. That's going to create confusion. So the solution, let's not walk in the flesh. Let's walk in the Spirit. So that was speaking too. So what is walking in the flesh? Well, that's, that's carnal-minded. That's, that's uh, impulse-driven, you, you know, out of my emotions, that kind of a thing. And then secondly, we looked at now really the other side of it. This is the opposite of maybe what we would see as carnal-minded, but uh, another source of confusion is being religious but not in relationship. And so again, we unpack that, recognizing that, hey, the religious rulers of Jesus' day, I mean, they memorized the law and all the scriptures. I mean, they were experts on all of this stuff. But because their hearts were disconnected from God, they totally missed the Lamb of God that takes away the, sins of the, the sin of the world that was standing right in front of them. And so the takeaway from that is we can recognize, you know, knowing all the stuff isn't what gets us down the field scoring. You know, what, what ultimately creates the win, creates victory, creates us walking with God is that relationship. That's why we say, I know it's probably gotten a little bit of cheesy cliche at this point, but we say uh, with great frequency, Christianity is relationship, not religion. You know, because it's, it's got to come out of a place of a vital heart connection with the Lord. And then we looked at number three, uh, not understanding the nature of truth. That has gotten entire denominations. That has gotten an entire generation of Christians emptying out of churches because they have lost in understanding of the nature of truth. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, again, uh, modern culture says, well, truth is something for you to invent, 
And God says, no, some, truth is what he is, and that we have to go discover it in him. Not only that, but he said we wouldn't figure it out on our own. He had to reveal to us, right? And of course, Jesus anchors that down saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is Jesus talking. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. So, you, you know, in, in a modern generation uh, that says, well, that's cool. That's your truth. What, what, a, what a pitfall. What deception. What confusion can come about if we don't recognize, no, God said there's an absolute truth. And for us as believers, we, 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 we can know that no matter how loud the voices shout out there, we are established, anchored on the rock of Jesus Christ, right? And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can, we can not that we're betting people, but we can bet it all on him and we're going to win every time, right? So in a world that, that you, you know, well, I've tried this truth, it didn't work, so I'll try this one, that didn't work, I've tried this, it didn't work. No, he works because he is the truth. And then uh, similar to that, number four, we looked at not being a lover of the truth. And so this leaned into, not only do we need to recognize that he's truth, but we have to uh, have a, a desire, a longing, a pursuing of him, to know him, to know his ways. And then along with that, we could say, and then a heart for honesty, a heart that, that would flee deception, a heart that wouldn't justify you know, being gray with truth and that kind of a thing. And then the, the last thing we looked at is walking, walking in the wrong kind of wisdom. And again, the Word of God tells us that there is a wisdom in this world that's uh, earthly, carnal, and demonic. That's, that's really heavy duty. By the way, you, you know, when, when we think about, you know, how does somebody like Antichrist get into power? Again, God's ways are not the same as ours. His thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, the Bible tells us He's going to solve problems. He's going to end wars. He's going to do things that those that operate according to the wisdom of the sage are going to say, how can this guy be bad? But yet believers will be able to know and discern because we know God's ways and we know what God says and we'll be able to spot it a mile away. Amen? Amen. So that's good news for us. So we had those five things that we spoke about last week. Now we're going to hit the last five and then, uh, and then we'll be wrapped up on the topic. And, and again, the idea is for us being aware of where the pitfalls are, we can live intentional uh, in, in order to keep these things far from our lives. So number six is loving the world more than God. So at first John 2:15 says do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. And again, this isn't talking about wait a minute, Jim, I absolutely love Taco Tuesday. I love tacos. Does that mean the love of God is not in me? No, no. It's talking about loving this world age. Talking about loving this world system because it's still under the sway of the evil one. We're to go and to bring light into every sector of culture and society, right? To bring who God is in, into those areas. But we're not to, to become so enamored with the world that we stop being enamored with the Lord. And, and we see 2 Timothy 4.10 uh, talks about somebody named Demas. And this is Paul talking to Timothy, and he says, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So here's somebody who started off in the faith. They were going after God, but they wound up falling in love with this world age. 
You know, maybe he, he you know, he's, you know, stopped, want, just had enough with paying prices, had enough with crucifying his flesh, had enough with identifying with the Lord and, and some of the costs that comes with it, and just had enough love of the world to say, you know what, I think I'll just cast this off. And Paul says, yeah, he deserted me because he loved the world. So that's a caution for, for all of us as believers. You know, one of the sobering things when, when we talk about this, you know, Solomon, who, who we would deem the wisest man who ever lived, you know, uh, he, he stopped doing the right stuff. And he eventually got into deception. He got off track. He backslid. You know, so uh, I, I, I used to read that and say, man, like Solomon, not realizing the wisdom was from the Lord because he was walking with the Lord. I would look at it and say, well, if Solomon can't do it, what hope's there for me? You know, but that's, that's the wrong way to think. You know, instead it's, oh, he stopped doing what God called him to do and what God really means, what he says, and God's way works. And when he stopped doing God's way, that's when he got into trouble. Amen? So what's the solution? It goes back to something we mentioned last time. Uh, solution here for this area, not loving the world more than God, is to make our relationship with God and devotion to Him our number one priority. You know, that's, that's why for me, one of the things I do, you won't find anywhere in the Bible, you know, thou shalt have a daily quiet time. But for me, one of the habits that I've created in my life is to have a daily quiet time with the Lord. But it's not just the fact that that time is there, it's what happens in that time. It's a time of seeking Him. It is a time where most times I will kind of set before the Lord, uh, here's what I'm doing, here's what I've done. Lord, how are we doing? Lord, what, what do you got to speak to? Lord, where am I at? And if, if I'm noticing anything that's on the inside that's not right, Lord, this is a little off. I need you to come and, and work. And then, then other times, just a simple prayer, Lord, let it be a clean heart that's in me. Lord, let it be a right spirit. Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of my heart, may they be pleasing to you. And then, and then that coupled with a trust that um, where I'm missing it, he's going to get me on track. Amen? And, and, and what I don't see because it's in my blind spot, he's going to help me see it. Amen. So the solution is to make our relationship with God and our devotion to God our number one priority. You, you know, uh, when we give premarriage counseling, as a matter of fact, Pastor Ralph, I think, um, referenced this just in the last couple of weeks. You know, a lot of times we'll paint this picture that marriage is a garden. You know, and so that garden needs to be tended, and that means the right things need to be put into it, and weeds need to be pulled. And how many know the longer you wait to pull the weeds, the harder they are to pull, the bigger issues they become, and that kind of a thing, you know? So it's the same thing, our, our walk with God. We've got, you know, this garden of our heart that we bring to God, and that needs to be nurtured and kept and guarded and prioritized. I had a, a mentor uh, in my life um, during... Uh, youth pastor years for me say your job is going to be to fight ferociously and I remember thinking to myself wow that's strong it's kind of intense fight ferociously to keep Jesus number one in your heart and, and therein we do that and so much of the rest of what we're looking at here uh, is going to fall into place so we just want to make sure, man, we keep our heart for the Lord. It's going to take care of so much. All right. Tracking so far? Amen? All right. Number seven, 
Double-mindedness, James 1, verses 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So double-mindedness is flip-flopping back and forth from one position to another. Now, I, I just want to clarify here, double-mindedness is not the same thing as fighting the good fight of faith. So if, if you have to fight the fight of faith, don't think, oh man, I'm being double-minded, I'm unstable. You, you know, here's what I mean. You know, maybe, maybe you're lacking wisdom in an area, so you ask God for it, you're standing on this, Lord, I ask, I believe, I'm not going to worry about this area, you're going to give me wisdom. And then 3.2 seconds go by, and all of a sudden, angst tries to stir up on the inside. You know, the, the good fight of faith says, no. I gave that over to the Lord. He said he would grant me wisdom. I know that he desires to do that. I choose to trust in him. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by God and his word. I trust him. Amen? So, so that becomes, that's taking the shield of faith, putting out those darts of the enemy. Did God really say, do you think you're really going to get this figure, you know, whatever it is, the, the, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit that sends that on the run. But that, that's a fight that we're going to continue to have to um, walk the victory out in until we see him face to face. You know, the difference between that and double-mindedness is when I move from God's got it to walking out, I'm falling apart, what am I going to do? You know, and uh, I, I tell you, there was, there was a, a particular time in my life where I, I came to recognize, as the Lord was showing me, that I was being very double-minded. So much so that I realized I had formed a habit of double-mindedness. So I, I put uh, th th this scripture from James uh, on my bulletin board where I would work so I would see it all day. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, and we're all motivated differently. Um, sometimes some of you are motivated. You want to you wanna drop some pounds. You show a picture of what you want to look like, and that motivates you. Some of you are motivated by me, show the picture of what it currently looks like. And then you say, you know, so, so I, for me, I didn't want to put up the verse of, he'll give you peace that passes understanding. I needed to see, hey, Bubba, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Stop it. You know, so I just point that out. It's like you lean into whatever verse kicks you in the pants so that you're fighting the good fight of faith. Either way that we look at it, okay, amen? So uh, the solution then is just simply to say, I refuse to be double-minded. And, and I wish I could say that that's a battle that's been long won and never an issue. But when I do recognize it, I'll say, Lord, I repent. I'm being double-minded. I'm not doing that anymore. Lord, I have singleness of mind on who you are and what you've said. And then just battle it out that way. Amen. All right, the, the, the next one, number eight, uh, that will get us into deception or confusion is not rightly dividing the word of truth. And again, wow, we could get into, there's entire denominations and, and uh, man, have people taken the word of God out of its context and invented all kinds of crazy things that God just didn't say. 
But this is 2 Timothy 2, 15 and 16, a verse that probably many of us are familiar with, but it's in the Amplified, so it's a little more, um, a little more spelled out here, a little more detail in, in the English of what's being said. So it says, study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, that is, tested by trial. Notice just right on the front end there, eager, doing your utmost, presenting yourself. And then, of course, it's talking about, hey, we will be tested by trial. It goes on to say, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, that is, rightly handling and skillfully teaching, the word of truth. But avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk. God have mercy on us for all of the idle, vain, useless talk, right? For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And I would say with that, more and more confusion, right? The more and more that the time is spent on, on uh, useless stuff. Uh, and we, we know in the Word it tells us that in these last days that people will depart from the faith, uh, giving heed to doctrines of demons, right? So doctrines that move away from uh, who God is and what God has said. So the solution for this one is for us to be committed to being lifelong students of the Word of God. The more and more we're in the Word, the more and more we're going to get to know it, the more and more we see how it all pulls together, how God reveals Himself in His Word, the promises of God, the instructions, the commands. Uh, we could spend a lifetime in the Word and never even begin to scratch the surface. Can you say amen? So it moves into, you know, I can remember just, uh, again, in my early faith, feeling like reading the Bible was part of my religious piety. You know, my religious duty is to just like, I'm supposed to read the Bible until I really got an understanding that it's, it's life, it's direction, it's wisdom, it's, it's me being anchored to the Lord. It is the primary way God is going to give direction and counsel and guidance. Uh, so the Word of God, we just want to continue to be students. And hey, it would be no wonder that the enemy, again, talking about these modern years, going back in even this last 10, 20 years, how hard the enemy has been working to try to undermine the credibility of the Bible. And, you know, the, the thing that's so, so dangerous is that somebody could just do a Google search and hear all kinds of stuff that just flat isn't true that would undermine our trust in the Word of God. So, man, more than ever before, we have to know what we believe. We need to know why we believe it. Uh, an entire area of study for me for this calendar year is studying all of the doctrines in the Bible about how the Bible is the Word of God, and I'm also doing all I can to study the apologetics on, which is not apologizing, by the way, that's the Greek word for give a legal defense, all the apologetics on why we can trust our Bible. And as I'm working on this, I know these are things that I'm going to want to uh, address and touch and equip within our church family that there wouldn't be a single person in our church family that ever, ever has to doubt, can I really trust my Bible? Church, you can trust your Bible. You can build your life on it. You can trust it. Amen. All right, so number nine, uh, ninth area that we're, we're going to look at on where we could get into trouble, confusion, deception, is not discerning or judging the manifestations that we experience. So going back to the fact that we are a spirit-filled Pentecostal church, 
basically means that we acknowledge that the ministry of Holy Spirit that we see in the Bible and the book of Acts still continues on today because the mission of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth is still going on today. And we have the word of God and we have the power of the spirit and those two need to walk hand in hand in order for God's kingdom to advance uh, with the effectiveness that God desires it to happen. Can you say amen? Amen. So the the thing is with that, and and again, we can go all the way back and we can look at what's happening right there as our our, uh, Bible is, is being formed, the scriptures are being written, the life experience at the time is people are starting to say things that don't align with the word of God, that don't align with the gospel, that don't align with the revelation that we have in the Old Testament. And so we read Paul, you know, saying things like this. So if even an angel of light comes and presents a gospel different than the one you've got here, don't listen to it. It's not from the Father. Reject it. Right? And and, and so that's so clearly put in Scripture. But do you know there are tens upon millions? I was going to say tens upon thousands. Uh... However, a lot of people, we'll say it that way, a lot of people that are still being um, held captive today by cult offshoots of Christianity where somebody had a supernatural experience. And they made the mistake of putting more weight in the supernatural experience than in the counsel of the Word of God. Like, what kind of things went on there? Well, well, there's one that says in, it doesn't say, we know the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. There, there's one out there, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And you can become one too. That's what we call heresy, <laughs> right? You know, but, but wow, what can happen if somebody gives heed to something spectacular or supernatural at the expense of using the Word of God as the filter? In Matthew 24, Jesus himself says, uh, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. See, the Lord does a lot to say, I want to alleviate the confusion. I want you to know in advance this is going to come. But notice he doesn't say, so if you see anything supernatural, reject it because it's not from me. He doesn't say that. Amen? Everybody say, he doesn't say that. He says that that the kingdom moves forward through God's spirit and the power of the spirit. And there is going to be supernatural, but there's also going to be stuff that's uh, counterfeit out there as well. It says that in Revelation 2, talking about in the end, the end times and the Antichrist reign and all that stuff. How do we discern? How do we know? How do we avoid confusion? Well, we look at the fruit and we look at does it map with the Word of God? D- does, it, does it map with what the Bible says? There, there's a spot where Paul is saying, so everybody's got a word, everybody's got a, a prophecy. So if somebody stands up and says uh, that Jesus is not Lord, hey, it's not from God. Right? I mean, it's, it's almost amusing, except for, you know, this is really, really serious business here, you know, because people are getting ensnared and getting into deception. Now, now listen, something that the church did back in the early church, 
they, they started dealing with these issues of people getting up and saying, I had a vision. I've got a prophetic word. Uh, I, I've got something that God has, you know, a secret that God has told me. And people started sharing counterfeit stuff. And then the church made a big mistake. They said, here's how we'll fix it. The congregation can't move in the gifts anymore. Oh, God have mercy. That's not how God wired it to be. And it was only the clergy will be those that, that, are, that are using the gifts. And then it, instead of it being like this, then it went up like this, you know? And then in the clergy, it even got squeezed out and snuffed out there. Like I said earlier, there, there was always a remnant, you know, but this, this modern Pentecostal outpouring uh, of the 1900s that has swept our globe. By the way, the only sector of Christianity that is in positive growth is, uh, is characterized as spirit-filled Pentecostal. You know, in, in the hour that we're in, church, we need the power of Holy Spirit in order for God's kingdom to, to advance the way He wants. Amen. Amen. So I say this all to say that, you know, as we go after God um, and as we learn to, to discern His voice and as we learn to be led by the Spirit, and, and it tells us in Scripture that these gifts happen as He wills, you know, so it's um, as, as Pastor James was, you know, really like kind of prepping us, guiding us, like let's have a posture of waiting on Him. Let's, let's, let's attend to Him, see what He wants to do and say today. That's the way we want to just continue to approach our, our worship times, anytime that we gather together where, where we're praying. Um, so as we do that, there will be times where the mark gets missed. There will be times where somebody will come and it's actually ill-intended. You know, but we don't have to stress, we don't have to be in confusion because we know what's the fruit and does it map with the Word of God. Amen? Now, just one other thought along these lines, you know, uh, oftentimes God will bring words, prophetic words, words of wisdom and knowledge, and they will be confirming on things that God has already spoken to us. Wave at me if you can say amen, right? That makes sense. Could he say something that you haven't heard before, but he's dropping on you at that point? He could, but wisdom says, I'll wait for him to confirm that that was him, right? So somebody walks up, God told me, you're my spouse. Let's get married tomorrow. Okay, you know, no, I'm just kidding. I'll, no, nobody's that quick to the, to, to the draw, hopefully, right? No, but somebody comes along and, uh, you know, they just happen to be feeling a little restless, and then they get a prophetic word that they're to sell everything they own and move out of state, you know? Uh, let God bring a confirmation on that. Far too many people have in, in a zeal to please God, in a zeal to be of impact by something supernatural that happened, uh, didn't let God test out and prove that word, right? We are to judge prophecy, and that's not judge, look down our nose. That's to weigh and, and, and to evaluate, right? You know, so just, just a little bit along those lines, we want to be a people that, that hunger the move of the Spirit. We need to have an expectancy the New Testament walk is a walk by faith. So Holy Spirit is powerful, but he won't impose himself on us. We need to be hungry. We need to be believing. We need to be pursuing. And, and he, will, he will do fresh things in our midst as he's been making clear that that's where he's taken us. All right. And then last one that we'll look at here, uh, number 10. Okay, this one, hearing the word but not doing it. And it literally tells us, James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. 
do what it says. And you know, the, the, the thing about this that, oh, when we've been walking with God for a while, we can drop stuff that we used to do, that we knew better. Right? Isn't that what Jesus says in, in Revelation to the, to the church where he says, uh, your love has grown cold. Go back and do the, you've lost your first love. Go back and do the things that you did before to restore that first love. And so if we're not careful, we can, um, we could start hearing the sermon, okay, I know that, check. It's like, whoa, time out. I know it, but what am I currently doing with it? The Lord busted me this weekend. I'm, I'm uh, listening to a message, and as I start to hear the topic, I thought, I know, I know where I can share this. And it's like the guy was in my head because he turned around and said, now I know many of you are going to want to think about who else this message applies to. I want you to think about what God wants to say to you today. And I was like, oh, get out of my head, man. <laughs> but boy, can, can it be like the more we're in it, you know, I mean, the, did the Pharisees start off like, you know, <laughs> you know, like this, you know, villain status? No, they started, but they lost the heart connection. They lost, you know, the, the doing from the right place, right? So uh, James tw uh, 1, 22, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. So what's the solution? Commit to being a doer of the word. And, and that means uh, an ongoing doer. So what, what do we have in our lifestyle that causes us to reflect and activate and integrate the word of God into our lives? right? Reading it is good, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to go farther, much farther, when we're taking the time to say, so, so how am I doing here? Reflecting, evaluating, and, and of course, whenever we can get the, the, those precious kind of relationships in our lives where we can help each other in that area by holding each other accountable, man, that, that's going to be really good for us. Amen. So 10 things, 10 areas where the Lord told us, hey, as human beings, these things could trip you up with 10 solutions on how to navigate these things. Pastor James, would you come and just minister a little bit on the, on the keyboard as we wrap? Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So church, as we move forward, you know, the days are only going to get bumpier. The days are only going to get darker. But we can know that we know that we're living anchored on his word. You know, and what of, amen, what of, you know, the, just the beat up, banged up stuff that, that's going on? And, you know, how do we handle and walk through all of that? I really think that the bigger key in that solution is to keep our hearts humble and walk these things out. And God's going to just bring us through. Can you say amen? amen. You know, because there's, you know, there's no one of us that has the clear picture on everything that's going on in our world around us. There, there are certain things that are looming. There's certain things we look and we look into a haze. Certain things we see in the word of God. But I thought this might be kind of a helpful way. You know, there's, there's four different ways we can approach stuff that we deal with. Doing the wrong thing the wrong way. That's kind of a no-brainer, right? Probably don't want to do that. What about if we do the wrong thing, but we're doing it in the right way? 
and handling it rightly, but it's the wrong thing. We don't want to do that either. We don't want to be in confusion. We don't want to be in deception. We could do the right thing the wrong way. I, I think that's an area for us across the body of Christ to stay on our knees and keep our hearts soft and say, Lord, I want to do the right thing. Lord, I want to be light. I want to be salt. I want to be your voice. Lord, how is it that you want me to go about this? Can you say amen? Because ultimately then the last one is we want to do the right thing the right way. And there's, there's art and science to it. Science is, it is what it is, no matter what, laws, principles. Art is, there's times and seasons, time to speak, time to be quiet, time to fight, time to be at peace. We need to hear from heaven as we're walking through and navigating. I'm, I'm talking long game, big picture, moving forward. And it's interesting, I, I was reminded in scripture, there's so many places where it does talk about how we do what we do, right? Right? Uh, such and such will be said in scripture it'll say in light of what was just said so then do this this and this in light of all this stuff so then do it this way sometimes it's worded uh da, 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 da. therefore go do this there's another spot literally it says so how should we live then right i think that that's a that's a, a really great place for us to aim prayer as we're walking through times some things will get clearer and more vivid and more cut and dry sometimes there'll just be confusion lord i don't get this i think if we keep our eyes on him lord surrender to you lord show me the right thing the right way come on can you say amen amen and then god will be glorified in all of it amen hey would you stand to your feet with me and as we close here again today, uh, could we enter in similar to how we entered in last week? And I would just invite you, if you're filled with the Spirit, would you just please feel free to just go out and, and pray in the Spirit. You just want to lift up your voice if there's things that God is stirring in your heart. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been feeling a particular burden uh, during this series uh, about those that have left the church that aren't attending anywhere. You know, uh, those from the generations that are coming up behind us that have been marinating in the philosophy of this age that has just made church sort of look irrelevant. You know, those, those that are wayward, you know, that, that we would just continue to agree together. Let, let's just call them home. Amen? because he is greater than all of it. As we sang this morning, he's larger than all of it. And may it be, church, that as the roots go down deep, that we fight for the souls of men and women like we never have before. On our knees, for the hearts of men and women to surrender to Christ. No greater place we can, we, we can engage a pursuit during these times. Nothing more dangerous to the enemy than making that primary pursuit out of our relationship with him. So Father, as we close this time, these last couple of weeks, we are so grateful. Lord, you, you, didn't, you didn't pull any punches on letting us know 
what it was going to be like during the times that we're living in. You didn't pull any punches in letting us know that it's going to get even more intense. But in all of it, you told us we can not just survive, but we can thrive in you. And Lord, you, you even pointed out these things that would try to ensnare us, bring deception, bring confusion, derail us. And so God, we pray once again here this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our eyes. Lord, we recognize the blind spot is called the blind spot for a reason. So Lord, we're just surrendering afresh and anew to you this morning. We're putting ourselves, we make this room online, wherever we are, we make this an altar and we lay ourselves down on your altar. And we ask God that you would take anything that's in our blind spot, anything that we have, that we're aware of or unaware of, that we're holding on to God, that would bring confusion, that would bring deception to our lives. We just say that we want that to be out. We say we repent in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for washing all of that away. Lord, we declare and we affirm this morning that we are standing on the rock of your word, on the rock of Jesus Christ, that we are building this house on the rock of being doers of your word. And so we thank you, God, that we need not fear. We thank you that we need not worry. And so, Lord, when we look at the mess that's out there and we look at how you would have us as the body of Christ respond to all that and to each other, we thank you for wisdom. Lord, we choose to say first and foremost, we love you with all of our heart. And we will love you with all of our heart. And we're thanking you, God, that out of that will flow wisdom and understanding. Thank you, out of that will flow the ordering of our steps. And then finally this morning, Lord, we just ask, Lord, we stand in the gap for those that are backslid right now. Those that have walked away, run away, those that are no longer running after you. God, we stand in the gap for them now and we ask God, Lord, that you would touch their lives. God, we pray that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and so touch and invade their lives now. Lord, that, that it would be beyond, beyond explaining away that it's you that's knocking on the door of their hearts. We stand in agreement now for them and we arrest every vain imagination, every false thing, every, every uh, philosophy, mental construction that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God in their lives. And we break the power of those things in Jesus' mighty name. 
God, we pray where the seed of your word has been sown, that it would start to uh, spring up a fresh harvest in their lives, that they would see from a kingdom perspective. Lord, we ask that you would send laborers across their paths, bring brothers and sisters across their paths, Lord, that, that would speak truth, a word in season by your spirit into their lives. Lord, let it be on YouTube. Let it be on social media. Let it be, Lord, Lord, uh, just a, they would say, is this a conspiracy of God coming after me? It would be so obvious to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we call the backsliders home. We pray for those that are, that are lost in our families, our loved ones, our co-workers. Lord, we pray that you would reach them, that you would touch them, that you would save them as well, God. Lord, in this season where the enemy so wants to steal, kill, and destroy, we thank you, Jesus, your mission is life and life more abundantly. And so, Lord, cause it to be that through our lives, through our prayers, that, that hell is depopulated during this season and that heaven has a rush of people populating it, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And so, Father, as, as, as we end here today, I just ask, would you drop on us, every one of us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that thing that the sons of Issachar had. They understood the times, and they knew what to do. Lord, fresh download from heaven corporately and then individually in each of our lives to understand the times and to know what to do. Lord, we just receive it by faith. Lord, we're grabbing onto you and we're going after you. And we just thank you so much for where you're bringing us. Lord, it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. 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 Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord.